It should come as no surprise in our cultivation. This is about the release from suffering and stress, or how the dukkha, the unsatisfactoriness, problematic nature of conditioned experience, which is that which is manifest, how that is how that is received without generating turbulence, dismay, collapse, blaming, accusing, feeling fed up, reactions, and so forth. How does the external, we might say, conditions not generate this internal turbulence? And for people by and large don't see the difference between the two. Dukkha is a characteristic and dukkha is a noble truth. Because basically um, jitta is pretty much bonded to conditions. So if things go wrong, I feel bad. Automatic. People are unpleasant, I feel angry or frightened. Automatic. No automatic feeling, hurt, bad, wounded, fed up, frustrated, disannoyed, reaction, blame, fear, runaway, accusation. Pretty standard. And so this is called the hindrance of ill will. It's compulsive, flaring up. And it's, uh, I think, <laughs> often really realize just how total the unsatisfactoriness of the conditioned realm is. And it sounds like a kind of totally depressing notion. <laughs> Body, health, energies, circumstances, things being late, things failing, things breaking down, machines, systems, governments, people, weather, monasteries, people's habits, uh, you know, how, how one's own really internal landscape, its blotches and lurches and habits and reflexes. And even the agreeable stuff doesn't seem to last as long as it one would wish it to. So it gets a kind of hunger for more because it didn't quite, it was pretty good, still a little bit more addition, slight deviation would be, because the pleasantness doesn't last by itself. So things are pretty nice, and then a bit fed up with this, something more stimulating, exciting, can I get my teeth into, restless, hindrance, craving, restlessness, desire, energies go dull, flat, feel sense of dullness, mind won't make any effort, won't rise up, its energies collapse, 
who's in trust and confidence in being present, in presence, in practice, looking for something else, is this right? How should I do it? How should I do it? How should I do it? So that it will be more in line with my opinions, my views, or feels agreeable, comfortable for me. Doubt. Mm-hmm. So often this, this, uh, this meeting place you get is classically speaking, these hindrance forms, ill will, craving, dullness, restlessness, and doubt. And they don't, you know, they, they come up in very, sometimes in cocktails mixed up together, bit of this, bit of that, mingling together. It doesn't come in nice little tidy boxes with labels on them. They come up through me, in my personal voice. Mm. Sounds like me. It is me, (laughs) seemingly. Mm. And it carries the convictions of my emotional energy. And there's maybe one particular key, emotional energy. Without the emotional energy, being captured by Dukkha. Things are unsatisfactory, but yeah, I'm not overwhelmed by it, chafed by it. So in a way there is that window, quite a narrow window seemingly, of potential for liberation. Bonding, clinging. It's not an action that we do. We don't decide to cling. It's a kind of reflex that occurs through birth, really. Birth already is a kind of sticking to, adhering to the sense realm. Coming into this as a stick. And we use that, I mean, it's standard, isn't it? And sometimes something happens, a penny drops, when maybe at some time somebody reminds you, or you figure out for yourself, or you, this is not going to be satisfying. And first of all, it's because of him or her. And no, that's funny, it's not just that. It's because of that and this. It's not just that. It's because of me. No, it's not just that. <laughs> Everybody gets that. <laughs> Something wrong with me? No, no, well, yeah, everybody gets that. Oh, so it's, it's bound up with this cling to unsatisfactory conditions. So though, you know, the totality of unsatisfactory conditions is a pretty grim prospect, the Buddha is saying, if you just deal with this one thing, clinging to it, there could be freedom, liberation, peace. That's the window, that's the, there's the, you could get some leverage on. Hmm, what's it worth? How do you do it? Well, we might say, yeah. Wisdom is necessary, 
And uh, clearly, even hearing this described, you may understand it, you may agree with it, you think it's interesting, but that isn't enough. So you may have a degree of wisdom and abstract as an idea, but it's not enough. So what is needed? Another quality we call meditation, (laughs) samadhi, a certain strengthening of the citta, certain energy to be able to feel a sense of stability and independence from this clinging, vibrant, emotionally volatile contact. When stuff happens I don't want, I know I don't want it. It's not what I want. In fact, I think it's it's wrong. And I can tell you why. And maybe I'm right. (laughs) In one way. Say that. Okay, maybe you are. What is it that prevents one's emotional energy from just tumbling over into all that? You know what happens when it does. Thousands of times it does that, doesn't it? Tumbles over into that logic, that idea, that perspective. Energy tumbles into it, it energizes, it flares, it surges, it pushes. Then you've got a couple of options. One is you just kind of stuff it down. Yeah, not very nice. End up frustrated. All these energies are just, they're not released, they're locked. And it can cause kinds of shutting off, numbing experiences, even traumatic experiences. Acting upon it? Hmm... Not that good either. Somebody else gets a hit. Maybe you missed the point. You look like an idiot. Didn't didn't get it all right. Didn't notice the details. Or just, you know, or something that you just followed that and good karma. People get upset and so forth. And dissent pain, conflict occurs. And these are the kind of strategies, well, not strategies, these are really what one people do, don't they? That stuff down, that reaction, or follow it. Or sort of, however carefully one follows it, you know, a little bit, with senses I kind of manipulate <laughs> into getting what you want. <laughs> Nobody else is looking. <laughs> Uh, the monk here, very keen on loathsomeness. He was always going about loathsomeness of everything. He had this kind of mantra, everything was loathsome food, loathsome, disgusting, sugar. So he was talking about this. And then one day he found himself diving into the pig bucket to fish out an after-eight mint. <laughs> he actually lost it. <laughs> so he lost it. Over an after eight, one after eight minutes. <laughs> so, with the indoctrination, 
he'd read all the books, he'd got all the words, he'd got the notions. And naturally, you had a cold, it, you keep stuffing it down. Why do you have to keep saying things loathsome? <laughs> Why do you have to keep saying it to yourself? Re-brainwashing re yourself. Yeah? So you need to keep convincing yourself, telling everybody else. Yes. Yeah? It just, it's a form of self-indoctrination, of all brainwashing. And you just want, essentially, some, it's a kind of careful way of, of suppressing. So we can repeat all these phrases, sense desire is ignoble, unsatisfactory, and so forth, and believe in, think, yeah, we're all following the right, we're singing the right song. Okay, what happens? <laughs> Nobody else is around. <laughs> this, that, this, that. Where does your mind go? <laughs> okay. You know, whether you go to go out to town, out of the monastery, it's nice and protected. Go out to town, see the sights. What happens then? Hmm? Not accusing anybody, just because you know, I've noticed this myself. Oh, yeah, there hasn't been. Energy is captured. So just because it's not being currently stimulated doesn't mean it's finished. Mm -hmm. Tipping over into pleasant, unpleasant feeling born of contact. And one thing is to get one's energy pretty much independent. As, of course, it's not independent, finally. But it's a good strategy as a step for really discerning what it is that gets agitated, stirred up. Surely, you know, we will all get sick, pass away and so forth, energy decreases, fades out. But while you have it, you have to apply it. Since you've got it, you don't want it rushing out, tumbling into this and that and the other, and, make, you know, degrading you, stirring you up. Mm. While you've got it, you apply. It's called right effort. It's not necessarily a strain, it's a careful where you put your energy. Sometimes it's very quiet energy. Moving around gently, quietly, that's right effort. It's a restraining, calming, soothing effort. Effort to sustain and soothe, steady. When I could be compulsive, run around in circles, get in a flap. That's right effort to restrain and cool. Right effort to arouse when I'm feeling tired and sluggish. Yeah. Putting it into the body. Standing, walking, sitting. Sitting, you just generally you put it into your lower back, strengthen up right at that very foundational place in the body where the carriage is held. So you're held up from the base of the body, from the sacral and lumbral region. Put some strength in there. Lifts, holds the body up, chest can open, and you just, you know, deepen. You lose your breathing, energy's going to go. 
don't necessarily monitoring the sensations, but just making sure you get a good, healthy, open, unobstructed tract of energy because breath, because that's where your body energy comes from. Right? So it's just that. Mm. But it's also about sensitivity, recognizing that right effort, particularly when you're feeling dull and sleepy, is just to be have that fundamental strength, but also be a little more savvy. Notice if your eyes are open. You're going to your skin. Very sensitive skin. Fingertips. So you your fingertips touching each other. Focus on the sensation, the touch of the fingertips. And if you put them together, you notice when they slip and slide. Oh, no, just keep focusing, placing your fingertips together because they've got a very strong signal there, which is not about pressure. So you're getting some sensitive places and some strengthening places and some modes of being which will allow your energy to be held carefully rather than collapsing. And over time, dullness, sleepiness will fade. But there's also that quality of energy that's just sheer persistence. And of course, energy to investigate, mental energy, very important, because this is where energy becomes wisdom. Noticing what is the skillful means. Don't just slug away blindly at something isn't working. So start to explore skillful means. So also you're getting hold of your potential, your resource of energy, applying it mentally, applying it psychologically, applying it physically. All this is wise stewardship of a resource, effort. So you're maintaining all that, that as you're beginning to become more autonomous from conditions, conditions that well up. Of course, still, it's still a condition factor, but you're developing a different center for that. Instead of being centered on what happens to you, you're making it much more something you determine. determining there already is some sense you see get of independence because you are now determining it instead of just being swept it's crucial for the arising and strengthening of faith having confidence in yourself yes I do get annoyed yes I do get angry but I know what to do about it yes I do feel craving lust desire I know what to do about it there's a certain strengthening of faith. And that's very important because all that begins to mean you're building up your basic ground, your Dharma body, body of your wisdom, something you can carry around with you. You know the skills, you know, to carry it around where you go. You know where to give attention to and where not to give attention. You know where you get caught. 
When you get caught, you know how to disengage. You know how to stop getting caught. Hmm? Well, this is all working wisdom. You know, field work. And the results will always come back to a sense of confidence, collectedness. You're in your own field, you know what you're doing. The sea may be turbulent, but you're in your own boat, you know how to steer it. This already is a kind of liberation. We become at least psychologically liberated. We're no longer identifying with stuff that rolls in and out through into the jitta. This is the hinge point. So we establish sati, mindfulness, to keep remembering, recollecting. The most important basis of sati Fundamental basis of Basati is Dhamma. Obviously, we've heard of the four Upatanas, the places where mindfulness can be established. But without wishing to contradict that, I think even more important is mindfulness is established in Dhamma. One bears in mind and recollects the teachings. And bears in mind and recollects one's points of realization. One bears in mind and recollects places where we got caught, lost, and how convincing it was. You recollect and bear in mind examples of others, where they got stuck, where they got liberated, the fact they got liberated. Well, this is the most basic, otherwise there's no point in practicing at all. You know, bear the Dhamma in mind. Everybody has hindrances. Everybody gets caught in it. It's very convincing. The point is not to, is to be straight, clear about it. And make you develop your autonomous in yourself, Pachatang practices. When you say in yourself, what does that mean? Well, in this experience you have a being an individual which is framed by an embodiment. That's what gives you a sense of being separate, you're embodied, and framed by a particular mindset. Mm. Particular mindsets of realization and confusion. Mm. So sometimes you say, well, how can you know in yourself there's no self? <laughs> Well, it's just language. Know it in your center, which is not the personal images that flush through. There's another center. Being. No knowledge, awakening, steadying, where you're touched. And it's to liberate that center from historical self and all the strategies that get developed around avoiding, holding, becoming, changing, getting what I want, so forth. So liberate that chitta from that is one of the aims of practice. But you have to know it 
here. Right? So, what does that here-ness mean? It's a certain energy. It's not shaking. It's coherent. It does get shaken. And so it's cultivating so that that energy, emotional energy, mental energy, psychological energy is not flailing around, not just captured by everything, but held in terms of Dhamma. Mindfulness of Dhamma establishes that around this experience. You can then contemplate, witness how this apparent I am is moved. The center which appears, we call it I am, it's moved. Mm-hmm. Now it's steadied. And when it is steadied, it becomes obvious the factors that cause it to move now stand separate from that. The irritations stand separate. The desirable stand separate. You see the pleasurable, desirable, and it stands separately from citta. It's the sankharas, the activations, the triggers. The habits stand separate because there's a something that's not moving. That's how you know it's separate because you've got the moving, running, rushing, surging, swinging, collapsing stuff, and you've got something that's not moving. That's how you can know it. If that doesn't occur, you can't know it. You can theoretically know it, but you don't directly know it because you, you, you don't see the difference. It's just all movement, 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 movements. How do you, you you can talk about unconditioned or get the idea of it, but you have no realization as a separation from it. To this is what steadying is about, and what recollecting dharma is about, and what staying within frame of reference is about: mindfulness, body, feeling, citta, dhammas. Body comes first, because then we're getting something direct, no longer theoretical, no longer about something assumed or conceived of. Direct. Then you get feeling. Right? So the body condition is one that experiences feeling. Now we can get a feeling about the nature of God or quantum mechanics, if you like. But the stirring occurs in your embodied state. You feel yourself heating up, lit up, excited. That's that's not a theory, is it? So however remote the topic is, the actual felt experience is embodied. And that's what gets you going. 
somebody talks to me about quantum physics and I'm not bothered one way or another, doesn't do anything. <laughs> somebody talks to me about some aspect of vineyard I can get a bit heated up or excited about or have an opinion about. Ah, oh, it touched, didn't it? Then it was directly felt. That's the way it's supposed to be. Felt. But then the clinging to that, the adherence to that. It's not about not feeling anything, being numbed out. Example in the Smanda Mandaka Sutta where the Buddha gives the example of, oh yeah, well if you think that being a noble one means you not don't know anything about anger or greed and so forth, well he said the newborn baby would be fine because they don't get upset about the nature of the world. They don't you know, maybe just kick their feet a bit if they don't get enough milk, that's it. So, in other words, what he's saying is just the removal of these irritating conditions, they're not occurring, doesn't mean you're liberated from it just because you don't feel anything. It means you, you feel, but the, the feeling, ah, oh, got it, get it, yeah, got it. And then the energy doesn't surge running after it, it's discharged. Okay. That is disappointing, that is saddening. That sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. End of story. There's an independence from this input, which is relentless. External is also what we call internal, although it's not exactly internal. What's inside? It's our memories, our hopes, our ideals. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in, uh, in these circumstances, people have spiritual aspirations, there's a good amount of idealism. Mm-hmm. We light up with qualities of compassion and kindness and honesty and truthfulness and so forth. Yes. Then you look at the world and you see pretty much (laughs) evidence of the opposite. How does that make you feel? (laughs) Cynical, bitter, disappointed, angry, upset. Because the government does this and they don't do that and they do do this and he's elected to do that and he lies and cheats. How does that feel? Hmm? You feel it? Or did just nothing happen? You, you notice that? Get a bit touched by it? Hmm? Not shaken by it? You don't have to keep Rehearsing it in the mind, churning it over again and again, and the injustices and the wrongs and the, you know, so you're not letting it eat its way into you, which is that's what we can do. 
you notice media is mostly about things desirable, which are fantastic and wonderful and beautifully advertised and colourful and bright language, designed to hit, get right in there, or headlines that scream at you, which are supposed to get you upset and angry, <laughs> anxious and frightened, thinking, hmm, yep, there it is. You notice the contact. What can you do right now? Independence. You know, something that stands independent from that. Not just an idea. This is the purpose of cultivating meditation. Meditation is not just some fanciful, sublime, ethereal state. It's rock-solid, grounded, pragmatic, in-yourself, Resilience. <laughs> Don't not allow stuff to take over your mind. It's your life. You not allow it to take over and ruin and contaminate your heart. something you can refer to. So we build up meditation, it's strengthening, stabilizing, solidifying. Then you can see, that's that, that's that. Don't buy into that. Mm -hmm. And then through that, the energy doesn't run out, jitter doesn't run out. Phenomena dissolve. They're kept going by the leakage from your own heart. Leaks out. That's what keeps it going. Feeds it. And you can see the results, you know, people restless, agitated, getting heated up impassioned, pressed, crushed, crushed by something somebody said two months ago. Yeah, I've sympathized. But that isn't going to help that much to deal with a feeling and the contact impression and the triggering so you've got to get to where that occurs so you know we're often just finding simple means to keep putting our energy into walking, standing, sitting breathing chanting whatever you however you meditate something you return to that gets that that stabilizing effect and realize every time you allow your jitta to run out, scamper around, of course it's fun, running out to this and that and the other, it's fun, interesting, yeah, a little more leakage, <laughs> a little more leaking, kurasawa, <laughs> leaks out into the sense realm. Mm. 
the world of time, or will be, could be, should be, waiting for something else, leaking out into that. What will happen if, and by the end of the day, and only another hour to go, and then it will be only another four days to go, and then only another this to go, and then I'll be leaking it out, leaking out, leaking out to the world of becoming. And this is something we need to be very responsible for. A lot of it's seemingly innocuous, of course, otherwise it wouldn't work. <laughs> because it seems innocuous that you won't get us into it. So the Buddha is saying, be aware of the danger, hazard. You keep leaking, you know, and it's just a small hole in a bucket. If it stays there, that bucket's going to empty. <laughs> Doesn't seem like much, but now it's going to empty. So you check, leakages, running out, speculation, independently. Not because you're in some kind of, you know, forced system. Look after yourself. And it's not to just be kind of, kind of a numb heap, because this also requires, when you're gathering your energy together, it requires you to ask you, necessi- necessitates you using intelligence. Not just conceptual, but fieldwork intelligence. Investigate. Another very important enlightenment factor, Dhamma Vijaya. Investigate, explore. How is this? How does that affect me? Does it lead to stability, ease, independence, or is it just another form of bondage to the future? You know, certainly self-retreats are very helpful for that, aren't they? Where there's no timeline. I'm sitting there. Okay, well, I've been, uh, been there for an hour or so, sitting here. wonder what the time is. As if the clock's going to say, Okay, very good, Ajahn Sichido, you've done your hour. Thank you very much. You can now go play. <laughs> what? Something wants us to be, can we get this off? The next bit. Can we go to the next thing? The next thing. The next thing. Now the next thing is to stop the next thing. <laughs> That's the next thing to do. Stop that sense of what's next. <laughs> There's leakage. So somebody says, so I had to say to myself, there is no way out. You have to explore where the pressure is occurring, where the suffering is occurring, where the itchiness is occurring. Explore it. Yeah. And you're not looking at clocks and time. You've done your hour, you've done your three hours, you've done your half an hour, you've done your 20 minutes of this, that and the other, and then now you can have a break, bells rung, now you can run and play. <laughs> it's really basic psychology, isn't it? <laughs> where, where are you running to? Where's the play? Acknowledge these somewhat humbling psychologies. 
Mm. And there's something very interesting and powerful to be reviewed in that. Where are you going? Why? Not that you've got to be stuck in some kind of rigid automatic system. Just acknowledging that push and how does that feel? Can you breathe through that? Until that feverish itchiness begins to soften. Lovely opening because the ending of the leakage is lovely, open, timeless. Then you take your cues from a different source rather than what's next, but where's the wisdom now? Where's the discernment now? What's it telling you now about time being irrelevant, just the construction? causes restlessness and impatience (laughs) and pressure. So some of these uh, hindrances get invested and embedded in the psychological structures, our rights. It's a human right to be able to, who said that? Who, who, when you, when you got born, did they give you a little document saying these are your rights? Uh, I don't remember that, forgetting that. It's my right, that one, moral indignation. Mm, I don't know, who drew up the contract? I agree, it sounds like a pretty wise standard, but to say it's inevitably going to happen because I got born, nope. You could have got born with no legs, you could have got born deaf, you could have got born crippled, you could have got born in some country where they're bombing into pieces, you could have got born from a mother who was a drunk, you could have got born with somebody whose father was a brute, you could have got born with being one of 17 kids and you get much food. What was your right? You could have got born with no education, you could have got born with not enough food. What's your right? Who said that? Where does that come from? Better to say it was my privilege. Mm. Yeah. And I'm grateful. Don't take it lightly. Faculties work. Don't take it lightly. Got food, don't take it lightly, shelter. Mm. Don't disregard these things. The clamour of righteousness causes ill will, discontent. So, contemplate, you know, beneath the psychologies, what's the feel? And you know, because there's where things leap up. There's where the reactions jump up, where the energy starts running. That's how you know it. That's how you know it. I've been a monk for 45 years, I don't see why I should have to... Oh, interesting. 
this might right. <laughs> Interesting one. Okay. <laughs> Who said that? And then acknowledge and say, ah, oh. and you know it. You, just, you know it, you don't follow it. It's pretty pretty simple. If you know it and don't follow it, there's this lovely, oh, right there's a little liberation moment occurs when that self, with all its structuring, is revealed and dissipates. So investigate, friends, investigate for your welfare. Where does stability occur? What supports it? Maybe it hasn't occurred, but what gives rise to it? What's calming? What's gentling? What's loving? What's noble? What, you know, give up something, cherish something, sustain something, you know, your body and your breathing and your walking. Give up speculative doubt about which system or what they say. Put your tongue. And review wisely. This is where the stuff hits. Right there is where liberation is possible. Without it, it isn't possible. If you get knocked over by it, get back again. You only get liberated through where stuff hits you. Asking not to get hit is a fairy story doesn't lead to liberation. Getting hit and not getting blown away by it, that is liberating. So let's take some time for direct practice today and uh, encouragement.